You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast. I'm Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And we are happy to be talking to you this week following a 27-10 win in the desert, which made the Seahawks 2-0 on the road for the first time since 2013. But, John, that can't be the only thing we're excited about this week. What else are we excited about? We're excited about turning things around real quick and getting to another game on Thursday. This is a... Challenging one on the players, but it's also kind of fun to to get back into a new game right away. Well, and it's kind of fun when you know that it's a division opponent, when you know that it's a big-time rival, and when you know that it it feels like you have corrected a lot of things in the last week. Exactly. I mean, you look at the issues that plague them in that loss to the Saints – turnover again and when it's one player doing it you start to worry about Chris Carson and maybe his confidence the penalties that were just killer and they cleaned a lot of that up Chris Carson had a fantastic game and most importantly took care of the ball they did have a lot of second half turnover or uh, penalties excuse me but they were penalty free in the first half as they kind of took control of that game and they just they really avoided all those self-inflicted wounds that hurt them so bad the week before and it just you know not that the team did anything drastically different to blow you away this week but it makes you feel a lot better about the way they're playing when they just get out of their own way yeah it absolutely does and this week what I want to do is kind of go over what we think we know based on the outcome in Arizona then turn our attention ahead to see what we need to be looking for Thursday night against the Rams and end with what we need to see if the Seahawks are going to come away with a win So with that in mind, let's start with Chris Carson. You've already mentioned him. It was definitely a bounce-back game for him in the fact that he had ball security the entire time. He ran the way you expect Chris Carson to run, downhill and for the hard yards and picking up a key first down on that final drive. But what, what else did we see from him? You know, the most important thing was just that he still has his confidence that he's still Chris Carson. There, It would have been really easy for a player in his shoes to maybe get a little tentative and lose some of what makes him so good, lose that really physical style. You know, it. You know, any just about any competent running back can take care of the ball if it's at the expense of getting the yards sometimes. But he looked as good as he ever has. You know, as Pete Carroll said, ran as hard as he has, was running through guys, around guys, occasionally jumping over guys. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens week in, week out. But that's the kind of game for a lot of players that it can just kind of put it in the rearview mirror and just say, okay, got through the fumble issue, had a great game, and hopefully he is just smooth sailing from here. Well, and he had to carry the load, and he did on Sunday. And he says that he was fine. He felt he was exhausted after the game, obviously. You wonder, though, if he can sustain it or repeat that on Thursday night or perhaps if somebody else will come in and and split some of those carries. Yeah, I mean, I I think that if they need him to, we can, but the hope is that they don't have to lean on him quite as heavily because Rashad Penny was really close to playing against the Cardinals. They elected to hold him out, and, you know, we got to wait and see, make sure he gets through the week. But as it stands now, it looks like he's going to be available. And remember last year in L.A., Chris Carson was unavailable, and Rashad Penny had a big game over 100 yards, a long touchdown run. So if you have both those guys going, and we've seen some good stuff out of C.J. Procise, that'll really help if you're deep there, especially on a short week. 
in the locker room post game when I asked about the run game in the offense, every single person pointed to the offensive line. No penalties by the offensive line. None, none of those dead ball penalties, some of those stuff that would just back you up, especially on first down. Yeah, the holds where you're first and 20, yeah. getting those out of the way is big. Really clean game for the offensive line. Does that mean that all of the problems on the offensive line are done? Uh, no. Oh, Not so much on, because John. of them, but that's more an answer based on who they're facing this week. Well, that is true. You're facing the guy who gives offensive lines more problems than anyone in the NFL. Of course, that's Aaron Donald. So... I do think the offensive line took a really nice step forward. You know, there were, you know, there are a few mistakes. There was a free rusher that got to Russell Wilson that, you know, I'm not going to sign blame because you never know assignments, but it looked like somebody just wasn't in the right spot because number 90 for the Cardinals ran straight into Russell Wilson untouched. Those, even if you're not getting the penalties, those are big mistakes as well. So those need to get cleaned up, and especially against Aaron Donald and company, that's a great front. But, yeah, it's, it's a very good step to be sure. So here's something else that I'm wondering if is true after what we saw on Sunday, that Luke Wilson really has picked up where he left off. He certainly had the big catch. And when you talk to Pete Carroll, well, there is something to this guy that's a little different. Luke came in uh, Tuesday night and, you know, got here and showed up here late to get signed up and all. And the coaches came out of the offices, meet him in the hallway, and it was like a celebration. You know, I mean, rarely is it ever like that. Um, this is an unusual player, a gifted personality and spirit. Uh, the bringing him back to the program was exactly like you said. We didn't miss a step. Um, the coaches were thrilled to get him back. The players that knew him, same. The, the, the guys that don't know him are kind of wondering, what the heck's going on with this guy, you know, because they can't understand you know, why it, it's so obvious to the rest of us it's great to have him on the team. He had a fantastic week. He didn't skip a beat in terms of the installation that was going on for the game plan. He went out and played the football game and played well and made a couple of big plays. And One thing I'll interject there, I don't think it's really fair to just say the players who don't know him are wondering what the heck's going on with this guy. I've known Luke Wilson since 2013. Sometimes I still wonder that. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I actually almost cut Pete off in that answer to say that, but I thought it'd be rude. But yeah, I mean, for a guy who he's played here before, so you think, oh, plug and play. But this is someone who played for a different offensive coordinator in Seattle. So things have changed since he's been here. And he was not playing for the first four weeks or three weeks of the season. That's a tough thing for a guy to jump right in and play. I think he played a quarter of the offensive snaps, had two catches, one of them a big first down conversion that was a phenomenal catch and a great play by Russell Wilson to get that throw off while he was getting hit. So yeah, it's, I mean, a big reason they felt comfortable trading Nick Vanette was that Luke Wilson was available and he was a guy they trusted and knew that they could plug in and play right away. And it's, it's cool to have him back. Cause as Pete Carroll just said there, he's just, he's a fun guy. His personality is really just exciting to have in that locker room. Luke Wilson said that he was actually nervous during Sunday's game. Certainly didn't show it. Big plays by Luke Wilson. I do think we will see more of Luke Wilson and that what we saw there is a real thing. We have seen enough of Michael Kendricks to know that he is the real deal. Before we hear what Pete had to say about it, are you surprised at how much they stayed in base? I am. I thought this might be the week they had to get away from it, and you could say the same thing about this upcoming game, and we'll see what they do. But, yeah, just when you look at the way Arizona had played where they play so many three, four receiver sets, spread things out, and go up tempo, I thought we'd kind of see them go more nickel, more dime. But, 
they love having all three of those linebackers on the field. They trust them, and they're good enough athletes that they can still cover receivers when they need to, and it's it's working really well for them. Yeah, and it's not just Kendricks. I mean, we've seen K.J. Wright covering a lot of receivers as well, but when it comes to Kendricks, remember he was with us for half a year last year, and Pete Carroll was asked, you know, is there anything that surprises you about Kendricks? And I don't think there is. Voice. As soon as we took a look at him, you know, we saw that he, he's he's a, a got a really unique style about his play. Um, he's really fast and he's really explosive and he's got unbelievable flexibility. So he 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 showed us that kind of in the, in the blitz things that we saw right off the bat. You know, he ran four four. You know, so I mean, it's not like he's he's a lumbering linebacker out there. You know, so our guys can fly. So um, it shows up. And uh, he had three great rushes and, and two sacks out of him. I mean, just airballed one of them, but. It's kind of fun to watch him do it. Well, and you know what? I Kendricks was kind of kicking himself for airballing that one sack yeah. after the game. He said when we were talking to him, he said, you know, when you pass rush, you remember the ones you don't get more than the ones you do. So he was kicking himself about that. But, yeah, if you're if you're getting two sacks out of a linebacker, that's a very nice bonus for your pass rush. Especially when you expected that pressure to come from Jadavion Clowney and Ziggy Ansah. Ziggy ended up playing after missing some practice time last week. 39 snaps in the game on Sunday. Clowney playing 42. Biggest contribution from Clowney, obviously the pick six. But what you're really looking for is those two guys working in tandem and creating a lot of problems. And I, I think if you go back to why the Seahawks have both of those guys, I mean, yes, the numbers worked out. Yes, the opportunity was there. I think it's specifically for this game Thursday night. It's specifically to be able to lock down the edges against the Rams and to be able to pressure Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, you knew that if you're going to take that next step and win the NFC West, you got to do things to knock off the team that's on the top, and that's been the Rams last couple years. That offense is really explosive. They have allowed more pressure this year, which you know you hope continues for the Seahawks' sake. And, yeah, it's, you know, as Pete Carroll said, those two, they feel like they're just getting started with them. You know, Clowney didn't have training camp. Uh Ziggy Onso's come back from the injury and you know missed part of last season and missed a lot of the offseason. So it's not a finished product yet. There've, there's been some encouraging signs. But, yeah, games like this are exactly why you go out and get these two guys to go out and be super disruptive against a great offense. And games like this don't come around that often. You have rivalry games, but on a short week where it feels like there's a lot on the line. Like this game feels like it's a little bit different particularly with the way that the Rams played last week. Jared Goff threw the ball 68 times. 68 times. Seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. 517 <laughs> yards, a couple of touchdowns, but it was a three interceptions. Here's the other thing. Those passes were completed for an average of 7.6 yards per attempt, which kind of makes you wonder where he is in his development. And here's what Pete Carroll's noticed about that Rams quarterback. Just it hasn't been quite as explosive, you know, as, as it has been. I threw for 520 yesterday, <laughs> so it's pretty big. Uh, but, um, you know, the games have been tough games that they've had. All, all their games have been fought, you know, hard to, to get the wins. And, and uh you know, yesterday they were fighting from behind the whole time, so that was not really unusual for them. But um, you know, he, he's working hard. But you know, he, the numbers aren't there that in support of how he finished last year. We he was you know hundred over hundred plus rated quarterback. You know, it's hard to get that done. And had a great couple of years going into it. But this year, this, he's they're not quite there yet. But very very dangerous football team, and, and he leads a big time attack. I get all of those things, and I would never overlook the Rams, but what does all of this mean for Thursday's matchup? 
you know, I just think maybe they've lost a little bit of that kind of air of invincibility that, you know, McVeigh came in and that offense was just so high flying. And they're, again, as Pete Carroll said, they're still really good. They could put up some big numbers on any given week, but uh, you know, they've come down to earth a little bit. We'll see what happens over the course of a season. I, I still think they're a very legit playoff team, but yeah, Goff's had his struggles a little bit. Their, their offensive line, you know, the pressure numbers aren't what as good as they've been in recent years in terms of protecting him. So, you know, this is not going to be an easy game by any means, but I think there's a real opportunity for the Seahawks to kind of put their mark on the division early. Where do they do that most in this game? Because there's been a lot of talk of changing Seahawks philosophy from game to game, which is something that Pete Carroll is not going to do. So where do they make their mark this week? I, I mean, it's going to start out, they want to go out and run the ball like they did against the Rams last year. The offense was great against the Rams in both games, and I think we talk about the defense and that Rams offense. If the Seahawks defense can just play a little better than it did last year and keep them in check a little bit more, the offense did plenty to win both those two games they lost last year. They rushed for 273 in one game and 190 in another, and they're going to want to go out, just be physical, get those two running backs going, and set the tempo that way. You know what, and I do think that those games really stick with them because of the way that they reacted and responded to the end of the Rams-Bucks game on Sunday. I've never seen that. Yeah, that the, was an interesting scene in the locker Especially in week four. Room. That's the kind yeah. of scene you'd expect in week 17 when playoff berths were on the line. But, yeah, for, for those who didn't you know hear about it on Twitter or whatever, there was TVs all had the end of that Bucks rams game on, and darn near every player was – watching it and then when Sue returned that fumble for the Bucks to kind of seal the game that everybody's going crazy so uh, they're paying attention they know that you know as you said this week's an opportunity for them and Dominic and Sue not part of the Rams defense boy he caused a lot of problems last year and he caused a lot of problems getting after Russell Wilson I, I do believe he also caused a couple of skirmishes on the field in those games he is not there Aaron Donald is still there what do you do with Aaron Donald Block him with multiple guys and hope for the best. I mean, it's he's, he had 20 and a half sacks last year as an interior lineman, which is just nuts. Defensive player of the year two years in a row. Uh, it almost worries me more that he only has one sack this year. It's just one of those guys you feel like is due. So, yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll talked about this. There, there's nobody defensively you have to game plan for more than Aaron Donald. And, they, you know, it's going to take a team effort, whether it's multiple offensive linemen, Running backs chipping, you know, you're going to have to do a lot to keep him in check. Aaron Donald against the Seahawks in his career, 10 and a half sacks, 46 total tackles, 17 tackles for loss. Yeah, he's tough. He is a difficult one. And the other thing, I, you know, we, we've talked about a little bit some of these games, the way they've been adjusting in the passing game. We probably will see more of that quick passing game to help offset that. It's you can help your offensive line a lot if Russell's getting the ball out quick like we've seen, you know, really going back to week two. Who becomes the biggest targets there? Because we've seen him spread the ball around in the last week differently. Obviously, Tyler Lockett is going to be there as a safety blanket. He targeted DK Metcalf a number of times last week. Couldn't quite connect in the end zone a couple of times. But what did we learn about Jerron Brown and kind of how he wanted to use and target some of those other guys. Yeah, Jerron Brown did a great job, and he kind of quietly had a nice game, three catches for 50 yards, two of them were third down conversions, and, you know, that's kind of that veteran savvy showing up on those third downs where he, he found space in the zones, you know, kind of middle of the field and made some nice catch-and-run plays. So it's, you know, when you ask who it's going to be if a game like this, 
we've seen it where he's really leaned on Tyler Lockett. He had 21 catches in weeks two and three combined. And then let's go back to Will Disley as well. I mean, this is yep. a guy off to a great start, and we've seen him, you know, running out of the running up the seam. That's a good quick route that you know Russell can get that ball off quick, uh, and he's just becoming a bigger and bigger part of the offense. So. The weapons are there. You know, Russell Wilson's shown a good job of spreading it out. And, you know, some games it's one guy, some games it's another. So it's hard to say who it'll be, but they, they feel good about who they've got out there. Well, and, you know, I feel good about the passing game this week because coming into or going into last week's game, that Rams defense was allowing just 287 yards a game. But the Bucks reeled off 464 yards of offense, 358 passing yards by Jameis Winston. Yes, I know the Seahawks want to establish the run in the time of possession. However, when you see those numbers, you got to think that there's some opportunities for the wide receivers, which is why I was asking who we should be watching. So, all of them. Well done <laughs> on that front. You know, you mentioned that Thursday night games are not easy for any teams or any players. That is about the time that you start feeling really good. And yet, Pete Carroll seems to have it all figured out. And I, I don't know exactly what it is. But Pete Carroll knows there's something special there. There's something's going on, you know. There's something's in the water. Um, I, I don't know to try to speak to that uh, very specifically, but um, I'd like to think we got we got a beat on it, you know. And uh, we're gonna go for it again. Count on on the way we do it and the way we present it to the players and how we do our work and the week in in set up to this kind of thing. But it hasn't just been Thursdays, you know. It's been Mondays and Sunday nights too. So. Um, I think there's something to it. I'm going to leave it at that. The numbers certainly suggest that. The Seahawks are 8-1 and one on Thursday night football under Pete Carroll. They are 17-2 and two at home in primetime games dating back to 2010. Do you have any guesses as to why this works here differently? Two things. I think with a Thursday night game, that goes to overall the program, which is – going to be led by Pete Carroll, just how they do things. And it's funny, you could tell Pete Carroll didn't want to get into too many details because I think they feel like they've got a good formula in terms of how they schedule the recovery, the practices, probably how you game plan it in terms of, you know, you're probably having to get a head start on game planning. And, you know, that goes all the way to the strength and conditioning guys, the athletic trainers, nutrition. That's, I mean, it's really a program-wide effort. That, to me, is the key to Thursday Primetime in general, to me, that almost goes more to the way Pete Carroll tries to keep everything the same and not make a big deal out of it. I think you know you might have individual players or teams that get a Monday night game against a division rival, and they're going to hype it up and make a big deal out of it, and that can hurt a team. Whereas if you spend every day of every season talking about every week is a championship opportunity, every game is the same, then when you get to that hyped, crazy atmosphere, your guys are a little more okay for it because they're used to just treating everything big, and it's not, quote-unquote, a big deal. And it sounds so easy to say, but I tell you what, I've been on the sidelines for 11 years, um, and it is a really hard thing to be that consistent. I, there is no letdown, and you can't even ask a question that comes close to suggesting that one game is bigger than another because a player or a coach will shut you down before you even finish that question. Exactly. It, it truly is amazing, and it's very different. And it puts the Seahawks in a unique spot on Thursday night with a division rival in the Rams who have won seven of their last ten games, the Rams having, win, 
having won three straight in this series. Of course, we want to be there to cheer on the Seahawks, and you always want to beat traffic and get in your seats. But, John, there is another reason that fans need to be in their seats early on Thursday, and I think this is so cool and such a neat announcement. Exactly. We really want to get fans in their seats by 4.50 p.m., which is about half an hour before kickoff, because Paul Allen is going into the Ring of Honor, which is just such a great and well-deserved honor for the team's late owner, and his sister Jody Allen, who's now the – Seahawks chair is going to raise a 12 flag and it's just it's going to be a really special experience and yeah again just get there early be a part of it because it's going to be great and a great honor for Mr. Allen. It absolutely will be and I'm sure that I will be tearing up on that one. Before we go quickly once that game gets started on Thursday night what needs to happen for the Seahawks to win? John you go first and then I will give you my numbers and see if they match up. First one, I'm going to go with a, a plus one. That's I want the turnover differential to go in their favor again. We've seen, again, that the turnover issues early. They cleaned up last week. That's going to be the best way to get kind of steal possession, help yourself out. And two, we talked about the running game. I want to see 140 rushing yards. Don't care if it's Carson, Penny, Procise, Russell Wilson, some combination of the three, but keep the ground game going. Build off what you did last week. I'm going to go one defense, one offensive note. Given how much Jared Goff was hassled last week by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I want to see at least four QB pressures. If they could all be sacks, great. But I want them in his face and affecting plays and passes so that it gets uh, recorded somehow in the stat sheet at least four times. And I would like to see Rashad Penny help carry the load with at least 60 rushing yards little change of pace. That'll work. Keep Chris Carson fresh. Keep that ground game going. So, I think with that, that, that's about all we can say about this game. I mean, at this point, we just need to go out and play the game and talk about it next week, which is when you will hear from us again on the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.